Half a year. And still no closer to making a baby or having sex. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, maybe? My drugs are arriving. I have a plan to bank my sperm. And maybe, just maybe, I may meet a girl I like who likes me. It's my unconventional life. On we talk. I went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately. To front only the essential facts of life. And see if I could not learn what it had to teach. And not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. My name is Nigel McGuinness and this is my unconventional life. It's a podcast, it's a journal, and in a way it's kind of a personal ad. But most of all, it's about navigating the treacherous waters of love, sex and relationships in 2016. Sponsored by, you guessed it, no one right now. Every week I detail my own journey and discuss my own untraditional views and aspirations in that world. Whatever the topic, whoever the guest, it all comes back to one question. How do we best find and express love in 2016? So it was the last week at my latest editing gig this week. It's taken a big portion of my life time-wise, but at the same time it really has helped me feel positive, productive and financially more stable. And I'll miss the early morning bike rides for sure. But it's on to the next exciting chapter of my life. Got the medication in for my libido and sperm banking plan. Have to wait until I get back from England to get started, but I am super excited to see how it all works out. And you can follow it all here. So subscribe, fuckers. (laughs) Seems like there might actually be light at the end of the dating tunnel. Maybe. Uh, Last weekend, it was business as usual. I flew back from the Ring of Honor tapings in Baltimore and the air stewardess on the flight seemed to like me. It rarely happens that someone I like likes me, so when it does, I seem to be able to figure it out. I think. (laughs) She recognised me from the flight out there and pointed at me and started a conversation. And It was a pleasant chat and she lives in LA too, but when it petered out a little... She seemed to stand there and wait for something to happen, perhaps. I don't know. Bottom line, unfortunately, was that I didn't have the guts to ask for a number. You know, I figured maybe she has a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or maybe she was just being friendly and professional, and if I ask for a number, it'll be weird and awkward. But ultimately, it really came back to a fear of rejection and self-doubt and a need to be that cool guy. So I just let it go. Then midweek, I went out with my new roomie, Tim. We live a few blocks from local bars and coffee shops here, so we're going to plan on making a few places our locals. I don't know why, but I seem to have more confidence when I'm out with him. I opened a couple of cute girls, sat at the bar, celebrating the Cubs win, and did well to chat and engage them in banter, although one of them popped huge for my accent and kept wanting me to say Waterloo. So maybe I didn't have too hard of a job anyway. Did have an amazing moment with her though. I thought of a card, typed it into my phone so she'd know I wasn't lying and had her guess it. 
and she got it first time. It kind of freaked me out, actually. Eight of spades. Now, the odds of that happening, of course, are only one in 52, so not really that amazing. I mean, if I said to you, you had a one in 52 chance of dying from eating something, you'd never do it, right? But it just seems so unfeasible that if I did it a thousand more times, someone would get it spot on, let alone the very first time I tried, and it does seem more than just chance. I don't know. I was supposed to have a date on Friday night with a girl off of Plenty of Fish that I've been trying to connect with for a few weeks now. And unfortunately, she had to work late and didn't tell me until about six o'clock. So I ended up spending my Friday night doing laundry and unpacking in my room, which is okay. First world problems, but really... I'm getting kind of tired of this whole dating thing. I mean, it's just, it's like pulling teeth sometimes. Supermum was supposed to visit LA for work again on Thursday and we were going to meet up, but uh, it got cancelled at the last minute too. I don't know, to be honest, as much as I like her and as much as I know we'd have wonderful kids and an awesome, loving partnership, I just don't think she's ever going to be ready to move forward with me. Logistically, is nothing else within my time frame. I just don't think our paths are going to coincide. Which kind of makes me think about my ex. I've been thinking about her a lot more recently, actually. Realising all the positive aspects about her and what a great partner she was. It's not that I regret splitting up with her. I mean, it was something that had to happen for me to get to this point. I still miss her often. But I had to go on this journey to get to this point. Am I happier now, being celibate, than when I was frustrated because we lived on either sides of the country and could rarely see each other with no end in sight? In some ways, yes. In others, no. And that, of course, is the same with most things in life. So just let it go. Don't overanalyze it. I found out another friend of mine is getting into polyamory after hearing about it through this podcast. They are opening up their marriage and while I'm proud that I was able to hopefully show them there are other options to ending an otherwise perfectly okay relationship, it does remind me that, again, it's like everyone else is living the life I want ultimately because I'm unable or unwilling to take a chance and actually practice what I preach. I'm afraid. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> this week's interview is part two of my interview with Caitlin Carlton, my funny, pretty redhead friend who somehow lost all sexual attraction to me within a month of meeting me and thinking I was super cute. In this part, we talk more deeply about various aspects and arguments for non monogamy and parenting partnerships. Here she is. I think that's where it makes sense. Like, that's where polyamory makes sense to me. Because it's like, oh, God. Like, if that person is going to be stuck having sex with that one person for the rest of their life, like, it gets so boring. I mean, who wants to eat chicken for the rest of their life? Right? Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Or lemon chicken. Like, sometimes you want barbecue chicken. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you want vegan chicken. I mean, everything has a lifetime, you know. Right. It's not just sex, it's everything. You know, friendships, it's jobs, it's ambitions. 
Everything yeah. in life changes. So the idea that we should make this commitment for the rest of our lives, it's tough to say, you know. I, I just don't think it's feasible, to be honest with you. Can it work? Yes. It's been done. It can work, absolutely can work, but it should be the exception rather than the norm. Right. You know, Society it, puts a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. Especially, and then women feel that pressure. A hundred percent. You know, if and a woman, I think men do too. If a woman doesn't have a, a, a boyfriend, mm-hmm. she feels somehow incomplete. Not right. not all women. Let's right. not talk in generalities. Yeah. There are women who are perfectly comfortable and empowered being mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. and sleeping with more than one person and mm-hmm. fucking hats off to them. There should be more of them, you know right. what I mean? But the same thing goes with guys. I feel like less of a man because I'm not having sex, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just... You just, you need that physical affection, you know, and it's tough because even outside of sex, you need physical affection, you know, like you know, when I was coming over and, and I give you back massages or rub oh, your hands. Those are the best. Right, exactly. But because we can do that in a platonic way, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people, they can't. Like for a lot of people, if I'd have like rubbed their neck like that and their hands like that, they'd have either A, thought I was trying to fuck them, or B, would have wanted me to fucking take it further. To fuck them. Yeah. Because I just think human beings aren't evolved enough, for the most part, there's obviously plenty of exceptions, but for the most part, they're not evolved enough to see that as being a possibility. A guy and a girl being physically affectionate that isn't sexual, they can't understand. And when I tell people that I have what I call fwobs, friends without benefits, girls who are platonic friends... You mean every single friend you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> why? 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 <laughs> Thanks for bigging me up, girl. <laughs> but when I tell people this, nine times out of ten they say I'm gay. <laughs> I mean, my best buddy, Alan, in Australia, the other day we had a 15-minute Skype conversation about how I was gay because a girl recently said to me, you know, you need a friend with benefits type scenario, and I'd do that. I'd be perfectly okay to do that. And I just, I just didn't feel that connection. She's beautiful, fucking wonderful, but it just wasn't there. It just wasn't that spark, you know. And he's like, "Well, then you must be gay." I'm like, "That's insane." Just to say that because someone's female and attractive and wants to have sex with me, that I have to have sex with them. What do you mean you didn't feel a spark? I just, I didn't feel that sexual desire. I remember being eight years old. And loving girls, like everything about them. I loved the way they looked, the way they sounded. I loved the way they ran around, everything about them. But the idea of like making out with them, mm-hmm. or heaven forbid, like having sex. I mean, obviously I didn't know what sex was, but anything physical beyond that scared me to death. And, I, and it just there wasn't any sort of desire at all. I, I just wanted to be around them. I wanted to hold their hand. I wanted to like hug them, maybe kiss them on the lips, but as a peck, you know. And anything uh-huh. beyond that... That to me is true love. That to me is true adoration. That I don't want to get anything physical, sexual from a girl. And maybe there's something wrong with me in that regard because maybe I see that as dirty or somehow less than being just constantly giving. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but you know, it seems to be a better way of living than just wanting to fuck girls to get off, right? Right. I think there's a happy medium, though. Yeah. Which is what? Well, like giving and receiving. Right. You know. Yeah. Like you can't be Mother Teresa. 
So that's plenty of talk about sex, but obviously you know, my other worldview that I've told you about, and not in regards to you and I, but uh, it obviously is my desire to be a parenting partner as a mm-hmm. traditional parent. Do you think that's weird or strange? No. Did you think it was when I first told you? Uh, I can't really remember how I felt when you first told me. And it was definitely like I'd never heard of it. Mm. You know, it was a new thing. Yeah. But I, my mind quickly evolved to, oh, wow, I mean, that's definitely doable. Especially when you think about women who just want to have children so bad and then they don't want to have to deal with men and feel sexually obligated to some man. Right, yeah. You know? They don't want to have to deal with the, the dissolution or the, the functioning of a sexual relationship to have a parenting relationship. Right. But that being the case, why are so few of them willing to move forward and give up? on this romantic ideal. Why are women? Yeah. I mean, because I meet so few women who are willing to do it, pretty much all of them, apart from Supermum, um, who is 31, apart from her, everyone I've met who's even interested have been in their 40s, mm. early to mid 40s. So it's really, they've, they've held on to the longest time and now it's this or it's nothing. Right. Well, I think that's why, probably. But why hold on so long? Well, I guess because it's, like you said, it's a new concept and you never knew. And I'm just, you know, kind of uh, ahead of the curve. That's what my friend Andrew says. He says, you're always, you're a generation ahead of yourself. You know, maybe in 20 or 30 years. Right, I think it'll be more This will be the normal accepted. thing. Absolutely, yeah. I think also a lot of women and men think, well, you know, I think I'll keep waiting because maybe I'll finally... In the back of everyone's minds, it's just so ingrained, like, there's someone there for you. Yeah. And you're going to be happily ever after. Right. You're going to have a little boy and a little girl. You just wait. And then they hit 40 and they're like, fuck that. These guys are psycho. I want a baby. Yep. Let's do it. Right. But by then... Give me some sperm. They're not in a position to make a very good choice, at least when it comes right. to a parenting partner. Because it's desperate. Yeah, exactly. You know, last minute. And it's like you and your moving situation. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was a nightmare. And, and that's what's so frustrating to me is that I just feel like... If women just thought about this earlier mm-hmm. and they weren't so obsessed with this romantic ideal of finding one person and spending the rest of their life together, mm-hmm. you know, it all comes around sort of full circle, this idea of monogamy being the exception rather than the norm. Mm-hmm. And if you find someone and you really do feel that way and mm-hmm. they feel that way, great, that's fantastic. I, I have friends. You know, my sister is in a very happy you know, monogamous marriage. They don't want kids, but they both agreed on that and no problems to them. But as I said, I think that should be the exception to the rule. And the problem with it is that the majority of people, as I just said, every girl at work Mm -hmm. has a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But either way, that shuts them off to meeting someone that arguably they're better suited for. Right, because they settle. They think, well, you know, yeah, this guy's okay. But at least I have a guy. Exactly. So I'm I don't want to put up with his shit. It's so difficult to be single and meet someone that you like. When someone comes along, and you go, "Oh, I like this person." Well, the whole process of yeah. just getting a boyfriend—it's like oh, really yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. nailing I mean, someone down to be claimed your boyfriend—that's like teach me how to do that. How long were you <laughs> single for? In my life? Yeah, I've been single ninety percent of my life. Right. I mean, I think I've spent much more time being single. And how has that affected you? 
do you look at it because I've got friends who've been single for a lot of their life girls mm. and they always look at it very negatively they always say there's something wrong with me I uh, must not be this or I'm too this and this is why no one wants to date me no I think I am been single more because I like I'm a very independent right and I like to do whatever I want to do most guys are looking for like a certain type of woman that they can make their wife, but I don't think I'm that woman. Right. I think I would make a good wife and a good mother, yeah. but like I'm doing what I want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're a bit like um, uh, Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin. Yeah. yeah. I heard that song tonight. That's weird. <sighs> I want kids. I think it would be a cool experience. I just am worried that I'm never going to be financially stable enough. Right. To have them. Yeah, I've been in that situation all my life. You know. But I can barely pay my own car insurance and rent. You know, I'm living paycheck to paycheck every month. And, you know, I have some serious credit issues. Right. Because every time I pay off my credit card, I go and shop again and max it out. In about eight hours. What? That's it's so a weird. I know, and I didn't even know I had it. I bought my first. I got my first credit card a year ago, wow. and now I have eleven of them. What the? Fuck? And most of them are maxed out. I'm working on getting them back. I know it's bad. Well, it's I have addictive personality. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I want to have kids because, like, do I want more mini Hatelands running around? Well, you can make a nice Hatland. You can't control. That's the thing. You know, yeah. you do your best and then you just got to send them off your nest. Do you feel like it's genetic? I think a part of I mean, both of my parents are. Yeah. Both of their parents were. Right. You know. Well, what about if you had a kid with someone who didn't? You know, do you think it's a recessive gene? Yeah. Well, I think red hair skips a gene, but uh, maybe not alcoholism. Yeah. Also, right. I'm like Irish and Scottish. Right. So I think I just need to accept the fact that I love sugar (laughs) and I chug coffee when there's like a little bit, I can't leave any, you know, it's just weird. I want kids. I do. I want to name, I want a boy and I want to name him Jimmy. Yeah. And that's all I know. Right. Because I like that name. Yeah, that is a lovely name, right. But if you get to a certain age, do you feel like you would use sperm? Do you feel like you'd have a parenting partner or? I feel like I could find somebody to have a child with yeah by settling i think any woman could really be like okay i'll just he'll do yeah but that's not going to make a happy environment right, for your no. child right yeah you want to have a kid in that situation definitely don't want to do that right then what are you going to do if you get to be like late 30s early 40s and you haven't i don't know i don't that's where i would be right you know just get another dog it's interesting because i'm i'm faced with that now people go okay you're you're only 40 you know, you can have kids until you're like 65 or however right. long, which Especially I can. men, yeah. Right, but I don't think that's fair to a child to no, have a kid when I'm yeah, 60 years old. yeah, definitely not. I'll be dead by the time it's fucking five or ten. Yeah. No, I've got to be, be young enough. Exactly. So if it doesn't happen in the next few years, then I right. don't think, and that's a horrible thing, you know, because it goes back to all this like grief about not getting to WWE and not making all these millions of dollars like the rest of my friends had. Because if I had made that money, I'd have a kid now. There'd be no doubt about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and so it's just hard because it just reiterates that sense of failure about your life. Mm-hmm. But then why? Why could I not just 
have a kid with Rachel because, you know, yes, it's not ideal, but she's a wonderful, loving person who's done it before. Or just move forward and find someone and be in a regular relationship. It's, It's hard because every avenue that I look into... I just don't feel I can conscionably move forward knowing that a child's happiness depends upon the successful direction that I move. But and if that's the case, no one would fucking have kids because no one can guarantee it, right? Right, you have no... It's such an unknown thing. I think for you, I honestly think your best option would be doing the parenting partner with an experienced mother who's already done it. I mean, I think Rachel yeah. is like a good candidate because she's... She's done it, you know. I know. And I then know. you're you could have your child and live your life, and then if you find a woman, like that's easier for her to come into that, right? And you could still live your polyamorous lifestyle with a child, whether you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean Rachel's completely poly as well, and and that's what she said to me after we decided, or you know, I decided I wasn't ready to move forward with this last round of IVF. Mm-hmm. You know, she called me and she was like, I, I just don't understand, you know, why we couldn't make this work because you meet so few people that see the world the same way that, that you do. Right. And we do. We see the world in very similar ways, you know. Like, she has guys that would totally have a kid with her and pay for everything and take care of her and she could live the lifestyle that she wants in every way except one. They want to own her. Uh, you know, they want to be in a, in a committed, monogamous relationship for the rest of their life. And that's not who she is. Right. And, and God bless her for fucking, you know, standing by her morals or standing by her authentic self. It's not easy to do. How many people do it? Not many, you know, so fucking, you've got to love her. I think she's fucking wonderful. But uh, I just, like I said, I, I didn't feel 100% ready to move forward. And that's that's all I can go on, right? You've got to go on your gut because right. in the past, I've done the opposite. My gut said one thing, but I listened to society, uh, you know. Uh, and your gut's telling you to do it or to not do to it? To not do it. Oh, okay. But, the biggest thing for me would be financial. Like, can I support, you know, it's not one of those things where it's like, well, the money will we'll make the money come. It's like, do you have money to raise a child? Yeah. Especially, like, preschool is fucking $10,000 nowadays. Yeah, especially what if you live in LA. But I, I know, I don't know. But but who can really afford to have kids? Most people can't, and they make it work. Mm-hmm. And most people do it because they found someone, and they're having sex, and they're fueled with oxytocin, and it shuts off their judgment centers, <laughs> so they don't realize this person probably isn't as ideal a partner as they might otherwise think. But nonetheless, they have kids and they make it work. Did my parents think too much more about it? Not really. Right. You know, did your parents do most parents? Absolutely not, you know. And and people do a very good job. This is what Rachel says. She says, look, if you're a conscionable human being and your number one priority is to make a positive, happy life for your child, Mm -hmm. you will do. Right. You will do. Kids don't need to be rich. Yeah. You know, you just need to make a, a basic living such that you can afford health care mm-hmm. such that they can eat mm-hmm. but way more important is that they're loved and they're supported you can have all the money in the world and if they don't feel loved and supported they're going to be fucked up i've got friends who are fucked up because their parents just never showed them that you mm-hmm. know and made them feel horrible made them feel that they were worthless so i don't know i don't know if there is a there's certainly not an easy answer to it. Yeah, there isn't. And so if that's the case, then what do I do? Do you believe in God and like faith? 
No. And fate and destiny and all that? Yes and no. This is my worldview. I'm a determinist, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And a determinist believes that everything is fated. From the big choices to the small, to the color of my socks that I put on in the morning, free will is an illusion. Everything that has is going to happen for the rest of the universe is already set in motion, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. It's like a book you're reading or a movie you're watching. When you watch it, it appears as though people have choices. Mm-hmm. But deep down, behind the movie, it's already been made. The book has already been written and it will turn out how it turns out. And that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy a movie mm-hmm. or enjoy reading a book, but ultimately it's all predetermined. Now that being the case, you would think I would separate myself from the outcome and go, everything is determined. Right. I don't Stop really stressing. care. <laughs> don't stress. But it's like watching a movie. You watch a movie and you care about the outcome. Even though you know the outcome is already predetermined, because you're so engaged in it, uh, you care about the outcome. It's the same thing. And I, I wouldn't want to live their life where I didn't care about the outcome either. Right. So ultimately, I believe everything is predetermined and destined, but that doesn't stop me from being anxious and worried about how these things are going to turn out. Complex, huh? Jeez. Because you feel like a belief in God and a higher power basically means that you can say, well, what's meant to be will be. Right. Right. Now, I, I think I'm somewhat more Buddhist than traditional Christian sort of sense. I used to have a terrible fear of death. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't sleep at night. There'd be times I'd like stay awake for three hours, like crying like, uncontrollably because I knew that one day I was going to die and I'd never exist again, ever. Were you a child when this happened? Or? Yeah, I was sort of like 14, oh. 14 oh, okay. through 19. It was awful, <laughs> yeah. And even up until... I'd say two or three years ago, I still felt it. I didn't have such a strong uh, exhibition of it, but that's because there was so much else going on in my life. But after my dad died, or around the same sort of time, and I started you know, reading more about mindfulness meditation and mm-hmm. Buddhism, and I started to look at the world in a different way in the sense that I didn't feel the same separation between other human beings. And I sensed that me now... I don't really exist in a separate sense in the way that I thought I did. The separation between me and you and other human beings, I don't see the same way now. I see as this universal oneness, this energy that links us all together, mm-hmm. that we all came from and we'll ultimately all go back to. And I think that with my dad dying and me losing all this weight, and now facially I look much more like him, mm-hmm. I feel profoundly that a part of him is me. And so if that's the case, yes, the absolute genetic model that is him no longer exists, but a big portion, I mean, genetically, me and my dad were probably 99.5% the same. And then if you add in the emotional and societal influences that I took from him, we're almost 100% like the same person. Phenotypically, we may look differently. I may be a little bit taller, a little bit more muscular. Mm-hmm. But genetically, we're so similar that to look at ourselves as completely separate entities, I think, is disingenuous. And once I realized that, I realized, well, fuck. I don't really truly exist separately now. So what am I really afraid of? Not existing? Well, I don't really exist now. I'm part of a bigger thing. And when I was able to look at the world that way, that fear of death, that fear of not existing, just went away. But inherently in that worldview I need to have a child so that my genes go on to the next generation and I can 
you know, get that sense of immortality. Now, to a certain extent, as I said, all human beings are very similar genetically anyway. And so if I could raise a child or help raise a child, I think I'd feel a certain sense of that anyway. So I'm not saying that I necessarily have to have my own child, but I think that would be a huge deal for me. And I just think I'd be a good dad and I know I've been, I've had a wonderful upbringing myself and I'm not, I'm not skin, you know, I'll figure it out. And a lot of people have said that when you have kids, you figure it out. You go, there's this little person whose life depends on me now and I don't have time to fucking look in the mirror and go, oh, why am I grey and old and wrinkly and why does no one want to buy my TV show and why does my cock only work when I'm grocery shopping? (laughs) (laughs) You get erections grocery shopping? No, I was being facetious. I was being facetious. I used to, when I used to have like comedy cock back in the day, there would be times where, like, I'd be with a girl. Oh, yeah, like a, yeah, that. yeah. And it wouldn't work. And I'd be like, what the fuck? And, like, like you'd, you'd see her, it would work. You'd make out with her, it would work. But as soon as, like, panties came off, it would be like, nope, nope, <laughs> I fucking tricked you again, motherfucker. And so you'd be like, oh, God, you're going to find a reason, you know what I mean, why it's not working. And then, like, as soon as you'd leave... And you'd go, fuck it, I'm going, I'm going to Rouse, I'm going to get some groceries. And then back he'd come for no fucking particular reason in the fucking grapefruit aisle. <laughs> I'm mental. Uh, I'm not really mental. I'm a wonderful, stable, loving human being who'd make a great dad. Yes? I think you would make a good dad. Yeah. I want you to be a dad, only so I can have your, like, play with your child. Yeah. You wouldn't adopt? Uh, it's very difficult for a, for a single guy to adopt. Is it really? Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. Expensive. It's expensive. It's a difficult process. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so ironic, right? You want to have a kid on your own, and it's easy. No paperwork. Don't have to prove you'll be a good parent. And you just have to put that in there, and then that's it. You can be a parent. Yeah. But if you want to do it conscionably and think about it, ooh, fill out all this paperwork and, you know. Yeah, take this drug test and yeah, we'll check insane. your house once a month. Right. I mean, I guess that's the only way you can. They can justify doing all those things. They can't justify doing that to someone who wants to have a kid naturally because that's a human right. Have you thought about like fostering a child? Again, I think that's just as difficult. And I think truthfully, if you find someone who's in the foster system, it's very difficult because they've already got a lot of baggage emotionally, you know. And certainly mm-hmm. you can make an argument that therefore they need someone mm-hmm. who's stable and loving, etc. And hats off to because my old landlady in Ohio, she fostered a couple of kids. Uh, Rachel's fostered a couple of kids as well, you know. And the one thing they all say is it's a hard graft, you know, it really is because they've already got that emotional baggage, you mm-hmm. know, so got to love them for trying and the world's a whole lot better place because people are willing to, you know. I think that's a big problem and it all comes back to this bigger Buddhist notion of universal oneness. That if we just saw the similarities between people instead of the differences, mm-hmm. you know then the world would be so much of a better place. You know? Yeah, we're all the same. Because a lot of these kids that, that have fucked up childhoods, it's because no one is willing to, or perhaps even able, to get them at a young enough age and you know show them that there is love and support in, in the world. Mm. But that's got to come, I think it has to come at the governmental level. You know, I, think, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen just by chance. You know, We still are encouraged to see our own little group 
you know, even in America, which is the melting pot, right? You're encouraged to recognize your ethnicity. And by definition, if you're recognizing your ethnicity and you're identifying with a certain color or creed of people, then you're ruling out people who aren't in that, you know? Right. And it's interesting because I meet people in, in SPLA who are all about, you know, encouraging integration with other people. And yet they still talk about their own little portion, their own little group, you know, like they might want to have four or five other people who are in this polyamorous circle, but just those sort of four or five people. They don't want anybody else coming in or whatever else. It's called like polyfidelity. Really? I've never really understood that either. I mean, I guess, listen, you're entitled to whatever worldview you want. But it still seems divisive to me. But that's, I think, as I identify with relationship anarchy. And relationship anarchy is, simply put, all relationships should be allowed to develop authentically, irrespective of whether they're sexual or not. Just because I'm having sex with someone doesn't mean that it should take priority on a different relationship that is platonic. Right. And that's, you know, that's difficult to people to wrap their head around, I think. It's hard to wrap your head around that. Yeah. If it's, you know, if you're not used to it. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, this is a a lot of things for uh, for society to kind of catch up with. I guess it sounds pretentious for me to say that, but I don't know. I just feel like we're at a stage now, like society was in the sixties with uh, with equal rights uh-huh. or, or homosexuality, and I think that in fifty years, people see the world in a very different way. I, I kind of feel like they have to, because. It just hasn't worked now, you know. The way it is now, as a general rule, as I said, doesn't work. As a general rule, there are plenty of exceptions to the norm and there's nothing wrong with aspiring to that exception to the norm. Absolutely. But bottom line is, it's not going to work out nine times, well, six times out of ten. Therefore, you should be okay with another way. You should be okay with a plan B and not look at your life as a failure if you don't find one person to spend the rest of your life with. There's plenty of wonderful, loving experiences that you can have with people, you know. Without being married. Without being married. Without being in a committed monogamous relationship for the rest of your life. Right? I agree. I've convinced you! (laughs) (laughs) You already did that. Yeah, I know. A little too late. A little too late. But you're happy now. Yeah, I am. Right. And I think if there's anything I can take from this, I'm glad I had stubbly arms I'm glad I took my beach tent to the beach. I'm glad my lips were too big because now you've found a wonderful guy who I think is absolutely fantastic. He's good. He is. He's a keeper. He has his moments, but he's good. He's a keeper. A part of me wants to try being polyamorous with him, but it's scary. Yeah. Listen, it's no day at the beach. You know, (laughs) let's be honest, like... All relationships take work. Right. You know, none of them come easily. And at the end of the day, it's all about being open and communicative. Mm. And if you find someone that you can be open and communicative with, whether it's monogamous or polyamorous, it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, you just have to be able to communicate. And that's what we need as human beings. That's what we desire. We have that desire. And that's what we talk about finding our other half, finding someone that we can genuinely be ourselves with. Mm-hmm. whether it's polyamorous, whether it's monogamous, whatever it is, as long as it's authentic and genuine, then I think it makes the world a better place. Aww. I'm going to cry now. 
All right, my dear. Well, listen, um, I want to keep you up too much longer. i got to get back and get some sleep as well. It's gone past midnight, so. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for talking so openly and honestly. I, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for your friendship as well. I don't know if I ever told you. Like, it Aww. really really means a lot to me. You I know? love our friendship. Yeah. Another, another great thing about me being so socially, sexually awkward that we probably wouldn't have it. <laughs> If we'd ever done more than making out. I just still don't get how you're not having sex with like lots of women. I think what it is is you're not good at flirting. I'm terrible at flirting. I think that's what it is. Yeah. You're like, let's be friends and I'll do your laundry instead of being like, come here, I'll, you know, I'll put my fingers up your pussy. (laughs) Is that how you flirt? Fantastic. Right. I will get on that tomorrow. I don't know. Come here. I don't know. Yeah, don't say that. Girls would be fucking lost. If girls had to like (laughs) hit on guys and flirt, they would be fucking lost. I'm such a dork. But you do magic tricks. Yeah, I do magic tricks when I can get them out. Yeah, that brings them in. Yeah, I guess so. That reels them in. You know what my friend Nick used to say? Nigel's a great magician. Every time he takes out his pack of cards, the girls disappear. (laughs) 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 And he had a lot of sex, so... All right, my dear. Thank you for your time. God bless you. I love you very much. And, uh, well, I'll tell you when this posts. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Caitlin Cartland. Still can't pronounce her name. <laughs> Nonetheless, one of my favorite people, even if we are the model of a codependent friendship without benefits. Next week on the podcast, I interview Juana. Always makes me think of the Count from Sesame Street. Juana! <laughs> Tua! <laughs> oh, <it's> so lame! <laughs> anyway, it's not her real name. Uh, it's her pseudonym. Man, I love that word. Pseudonym. For writing and talking all things with the potential to affect her lifestyle negatively in normal circles. She spent a time in an open marriage and learned a lot from it. Quite sexy too, even if, of course, uh, she doesn't see me the same way. Yay! Positive mental attitude. She has also written a book detailing her journey through non-monogamy, and I got a chance to read the rough draft of the first chapter. Has a lot of potential. And again, kind of hot. God, I am so weird. I mean, the whole point of marriage is that you want to do it for the rest of your life. Yes, again, but I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to expect (laughs) anything to last for the rest of your life. But if that's the case, why get married? For logistical reasons, for instance, like taxes, (laughs) 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 you know, for... um... I'll see you next week. Well, that is it. One week closer to Six Feet Under. Thanks for listening and being part of the journey. Drop me a line if you think you or someone you know would be a good match for me as a parenting partner here in Los Angeles. Before you go, though, you know the deal. Please rate, write a review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Show some love. I'll be back next week, but if you want more before, then you can read my weekly blog at nigelressing.com forward slash blog, where you can also buy merchandise, book me, or just send me a nice message. Until then... Wherever you are, whoever you're with, I hope you find kindness and love. Be happy.